Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Welcome to another raspy-voiced early morning podcast. I am your host, Julie. Like I said, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks, which is, if you've stumbled upon this, a combination of Lisa and I together recording Two Sober Chicks, as well as Lisa and I recording these little episodes called Shot Glasses of Recovery that we do when we can't get together. And during COVID, that has been very, very little times together. So I have almost 100 shot glasses. I think Lisa's around 18. I hope you've been enjoying them. So I decided to do this one this morning when I saw this email in my inbox. And you've heard me before talk about Richard Rohr. Its uh, last name is spelled R-O-H-R. And he founded, he's a Jesuit, and he founded the Center for Action and Contemplation. And you can go to his website and request these daily emails. They're really beautiful. And I loved today's. So it's a summary of, it's called Week 30 Summary. So it's a summary of the last seven days of messages that he's been putting out. And it's called Being Peaceful Change. So what he does first is he writes a one-sentence reflection or quote from each of the previous day's meditations and then comments on them. So the theme is being peaceful change. Sundays was Gandhi's spirit of nonviolence sprang from an inner realization of spiritual unity in himself. And that's Thomas Merton who said that. Monday, authentic spirituality is always first about you about allowing your own heart and mind to be changed. Tuesday, nonviolence is the greatest and most active force in the world. The more you develop it in your own being, the more infectious it becomes until it overwhelms your surroundings and by and by might oversweep the world. That was Mohandas Gandhi who said that. Wednesday, when you understand you love. And when you love, you naturally act in a way that can relieve the suffering of people. That was Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Han. I see that name all the time. I don't know how to say it. That was Wednesdays. Thursdays, we are called to assist the earth to heal her wounds and in the process heal our own. Indeed, to embrace the whole creation in all its diversity, beauty, and wonder. And that's by Wangari Matai. And Fridays, one of my favorite people that ever lived, Martin Luther King Jr. Along the way of life, someone must have sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of hate. This can only be done by projecting the ethic of love to the center of our lives. So here's the practice a settled body. Resma Menachem is a therapist and trauma specialist whose work focuses on how we carry our pain and fear in our bodies. We pass it along to those around us, and we pass it down from one generation to the next. We cannot hope to bring peace to the world if we are not at peace within ourselves. 
Menachem explains how we might begin the peacemaking process within our own bodies. Few skills are more essential than the ability to settle your body. If you can settle your body, you are more likely to be calm, alert, and fully present no matter what is going on around you. A settled body enables you to harmonize and connect with other bodies around you while encouraging those bodies to settle as well. Gather together a large group of unsettled bodies or assemble a group of bodies and then unsettle them and you get a mob or a riot. But bring a large group of settled bodies together and you have a potential for movement and a potential force for tremendous good in the world. A calm, settled body is the foundation for health, for healing, for helping others, and for changing the world. Over time, I learned to access a settledness that is always and already present. I usually call it the infinite source, but it doesn't require a name or an explanation or a belief. This settling of nervous systems and this connection to a larger source is vital to healing. You'll recognize some of these practices as things I've described my black grandmother doing, as things many small children do intuitively, as things parents often do with their babies, as things enslaved people did as they worked together on plantations, and as practices from many religions. Almost all of them, such as belly breathing, slow rocking, humming, singing aloud, or rubbing your belly, have been proven to work in controlled lab experiments. Here, Resma Menachem offers a practice called Breathe, Ground, and Resource, which can be done standing, sitting, or lying down with eyes open or closed. Take a few breaths. Let your body relax as much as it wants to. Think of a person, an animal, or a place that makes you feel safe and secure. Then imagine that right now this person or animal is beside you or that you are in that safe place. Breathing naturally, simply let yourself experience that safety and security for one to two minutes. Afterward, notice how and what you experience in your body. And so this reading was adapted from Resma Menachem, so R-E-S-M-A-A, last name M-E-N-A-K-E-M. And it's titled, her book is titled, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies. So much to me came in that beautiful reading. Okay. All right. So it talks about the essential skills to settle your body. So I have dealt the last seven years with different quote-unquote chronic illnesses. One of them I was diagnosed with during my separation called mast cell activation disorder. And what that feels like is like a million bugs crawling all over your skin. I believe that I developed this as a result of grief and depression and anxiety from my 
divorce at the time. I was diagnosed. I was had all kinds of experiments done on me, and ultimately I was put on medication um, that was very toxic, but I'm sure helps a lot of people. But I was taking a lot of medicine a day, and it just wasn't working. Um, I tried different therapies. It wasn't working. And I just remember one day being so upset and so anxious about my pill schedule that wasn't working that I took the pills in my hands and I whipped them across the room and I went, fuck fear. Fuck all of this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I decided at the time that whatever I was doing, I would focus so intently that it would draw my attention away from the fact that I wanted to rip my skin off. And it took some time. So I could be watching a show and every time my my mind would go to the fact that I was so itchy, I would just focus almost to the point where I felt like blood was going to come out of my eyes on the show. And if I went somewhere and I wanted, I started to have anxiety because my skin was crawling and I wanted to go somewhere and wanted to go home, I would focus so intently on that person that I would feel like my eyes were going to bleed. And I did that for a while. And then guess what? My itching stopped. Now, if I tune into my body right now, I can feel it. It's, it's sort of like a light tingling now, but I refuse to focus on it. And from what I've learned from neuroplasticity, in addiction and otherwise illness, we can retrain our brain. So it's not that I've cured it and it's gone away. I've ingrained a new pathway in my brain. And the moment I start to feel like, oh my gosh, it's come back, I cut it off at its root. I do not allow myself to entertain those thoughts. Um, The second chronic illness I had to deal with was a Reiki session gone bad. And um. It's a very long story, but essentially what happened is during this Reiki session, I experienced intense pain in the back of my head, like a uh, knife going in the back of my head. And having no experience with Reiki, I just thought it was part of the process. And I went into this and I just opened myself up as wide as I could spiritually and emotionally. And there were a lot of um, really disturbing things that happened during that session. But after it was over, I, I went off, I got off the table and collapsed and I couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease. Um, I went for extensive testing. I had MRIs. I went to eight different doctors, actually, three ear, nose and throat doctors. Um, I had my hearing tested and it showed that I had nerve damage in my left ear. Um, hearing loss in my left ear and tinnitus in both ears. And tinnitus is so wonderful. It's constant ringing in your ears. That's the one thing I thought that would drive me insane. And so again, I went through so many different treatments. I went for vestibular rehabilitation. I I can feel anxiety as I'm talking about this. Actually, I'm getting lightheaded. Um, I, 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 did, I did all kinds of therapies and treatments, homeopathic and otherwise. The, the treatment modality that I found most helpful and that I will do for the rest of my life is osteopathy. And that is not to do with your feet as I thought it was. But and I and I have found that in Canada versus the US, it's very different, like osteopaths up here, just concentrate on their practice, which is dealing with the body's systems, organs, uh, the bones, by 
placing their hands on you and doing biofeedback. It's very gentle. I'm very sensitive, so I often feel a lot of movement. It helps balance the cranial sacral system, the fluids in the brain, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is where our anxiety uh, comes from. I absolutely love it. And that helped me the most with all of these things that I was experiencing, dizziness, nausea, feeling unsteady, um, extreme, extreme anxiety. Anyways, so um, it interrupt, I had just decided to go back to school and it had interrupted all of my plans. I fell into a deep depression. Uh, I broke up with God during this time. I contemplated suicide. It was horrendous. The ringing in the ears can for, I mean, those of you that suffer from tinnitus know what I mean. You, There are people that kill themselves from tinnitus. So I started with the tinnitus and I refused to focus on it because if you focus on it, and if you're a person like me that loves silence, this is the worst thing that can happen to you. So I decided to stop focusing on it. And it, again, retraining myself to focus away from it, which sounds impossible with tinnitus. It's like a whistling tea kettle 24-7. But I refused to focus on it. I also realized that when I was around water, so maybe it was like washing the dishes or near a lake, showering, I didn't hear the tinnitus anymore. So sometimes I would listen to that at night. But I refused to, to go into it and to panic about it. And then with the rest of my symptoms, I would have these episodes where it was kind of like being hungover and seasick at the same time. Like you just don't want to go anywhere and you don't want to do anything. Working out is almost impossible because of your balance. And um, and I'm still feeling anxiety in my body as I talk about this. I also had a lot of inner ear pain and movement, which when I talk about it, I can feel these things, right? But I refuse to let my blood pressure rise or get upset about it. So I... Um, stumbled upon something called DNRS. This is, I am not paid for this in any way. This is not something that I'm promoting other than just my own experience. But I know people will ask me what it is if I mention it. It's called Dynamic Neural Reprocessing System. And it has cured a lot of people from um, severe environmental allergies, tachycardia syndrome, all different kinds of things. And I thought, well, why the fuck not? I saw a friend of mine who had recovered from Lyme disease by implementing this program, so I decided to try it. And it's really a series of steps and affirmations based on science and the ability to reprogram your brain. And it's also based on the, I don't want to say it's a theory, but I'm not exactly sure it's science, but it's a theory that when we experience a trauma, we can be over the trauma, but we create a trauma loop in our brain by imprinting so much emotion attached to it that is kind of like a record skipping. So I started this system of steps and affirmations after I did the online courses and classes, which you have to purchase. And um, it's basically an, once you feel the anxiety or the symptom, you immediately interrupt it by acknowledging what it is, using a little backup of science behind what it is. Like my brain's stuck in a loop and is telling me this. And a lot of like self-affirmation like, congratulations, Julie, you're doing a great job. And then at the end, you go into very vivid detail of a really great past memory and very vivid detail of a future happy 
um, experience that you want to have or you will have. And then I ended it with like a laughing yoga exercise, which is like the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing because I look in the mirror and it's based on laughing yoga and you clap your hands and you go, ha, 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 yay, like little exercises like that. And I'm thinking of it because I just sent it to a friend of mine today um, because I thought it might help him with also his anxieties and symptoms because he keeps going like I did back to the hospitals and the doctors to get tests and everybody's like you're fine and he's like and I'm like I'm not fine something's wrong with me so my legs asleep hang on um so all of this to say that I am free from all of that today it takes vigilance just like recovery does when I start to slip into anxiety And by the way, last year I was in the hospital like eight times an emergency in two months alone. But this, this, these symptoms and these illnesses threatened to ruin my life, ruin my life in recovery, by the way. And I am free today of all of that. It will come back if I keep retraining my brain to go there. So when I feel a headache or I feel my inner ear moving or I feel maybe a little bit dizzy or a little bit nauseous or I feel my skin crawling or any of these things, I literally say to it, no. And I, it's almost like pushing away like a, a disobedient dog that wants to come up and sniff your dinner plate or wants food from the table or wants cuddles when you don't want to cuddle them. It's liter- That's what it feels like in my brain. I put out my hand and I push it away and I go, no, and I don't let it come. I have also recently, um, I have been afraid of flying since 9-11. Prior to recovery, I had to be wasted to even board a flight. After recovery, I have a backup of, I don't remember if it's Valium or Xanax because I never take them, but um, I have those ready for flight. And this last flight to go see my husband was the first time I flew in five years and I didn't take any pills because I wanted to put my faith to the test and my program to the test and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with doing pills if you uh can't fly i mean i did it for a long time and it saved my life it prevented me from getting drunk i'll tell you that much it prevented me from a relapse because i also know my threshold and that was too much for me before and i was in that plane and every time i went to go to fear i just reminded myself you know what No, we're not going to do that. We decided we're not going to be afraid anymore. So all of my recovery has always happened when I've said, fuck that. Me and God are more powerful than anything. One last thing I want to say, which I found really helpful. I'm actually going to get it. Hang on. I'm going to open my door and pull it off my wall and read it to you. Okay. So what I have had on my wall since I started doing this is I printed out on a 8 by 10 um, piece of paper a picture of myself, the most powerful picture I could find of myself. And I wrote, and this is part of the DNRS thing, I think. Either I came up with it or that program came up with it. I can't remember, but it was so helpful for me. So I made it a little bit dim so I could type words over it and then print it out. And I did an affirmation that is right by my bedroom light switch that I have to look at every day. And every time I went by it, I read it out loud. And I've also recorded this. I've recorded the steps I took and this affirmation as an audio note on my phone so I can listen to it whenever I want. 
And here's what I wrote, and it's just something that came to me. I am a woman that is full of power and grace. I radiate love and kindness wherever I go. I am full of energy and vitality. That was a big one for me because I was always so fatigued. And for those of you that know what fatigue feels like, it's not like being tired. It's like being nothing. You can't even imagine, and often depression and anxiety feels like this. You can't even imagine putting your feet on the floor. And this is as I was pursuing ministry too. I'm like, how the hell am I going to do my life's purpose? I have no energy. I'm sick. I'm tired. I don't know how I'm going to do it. So that was a, the most powerful statement in all of these two, four, six, eight sentences. I am full of energy and vitality. Whatever I put my mind to, with God's help, I can accomplish it. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, and it shows. I am supported by the most powerful force in the universe. I live my life with joy and enthusiasm. I am happy and fulfilled and excited about what is to come. I hope that this has blessed you hearing my experience and how I have been able with God's help and all of the tools I learned in recovery and also being sober because I never could have done this in my active addiction. I hope that has shown you that it's possible that you are more powerful than you think. And then when you link up with a higher power, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. Sometimes you can't heal stuff. Sometimes you just have to accept it. But if, if that's not healing, accepting something, I don't know what is. I love you so much. I wish upon you all the blessings that have come to me. If I can support you in any way, please let me know. Twosoberchicks at gmail.com. You can also find me and Lisa on Twitter and Instagram at twosoberchicks. That's all I got. Have a great day. Bye.